What is up, everybody? I'm Dylan Pertemri, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. We are now officially a week into the season. Now, obviously, we are still way too early into the season to fully judge any teams or players on their performances. However, you know we're already going to do that anyways. We're going to check in which direction they're trending. I've been loving having hockey back uh, in present. I haven't been bored at all keeping up with the NHL. We got plenty of news and more to cover this week. So let's hop right on in to our third episode of Top Shelf. All right, so, so far in the NHL, every team has played a game except for one team, and that is the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars were expected to start their season on January 14th, which was a day after the first game up against the Florida Panthers. However, the first four games of their season were postponed. This was because on January 8th, it was found that six players and two coaches uh, did actually test positive for the coronavirus. They are now scheduled to play their season opener on Friday the 22nd up against the Nashville Predators. The Dallas Stars managed to scuff up their first practice this Saturday, and Antoine Kudobin, who will be their starting goaltender for the season, practiced for the first time on Tuesday. He had some complications with immigration and coming back. He actually contracted the coronavirus uh, in Russia while he was there, his home country, prior to coming and did do his isolation there and is finally back. The four games that were missed by the Dallas Stars have been rescheduled by the NHL. The games originally for January 14th and 15th up against the Panthers will now be played February 22nd and May 3rd. And the games against the Lightning originally for the 17th and 19th will now be played May 4th and May 10th. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how the Dallas Stars get along in their first game up against the Predators, a team that's played three times by now and has actually kind of impressed me quite a bit with their play. Philip Forsberg has been very impressive. One of their top wingers, probably their best player, best forward. Roman Yossi is their best player, but Philip Forsberg is definitely their top uh, forward that they look at. He's put up three goals already this season, and goaltending was something that I was questioning about the Predators coming into the season, but UC Saros has been quite impressive. He, in his two starts, he's saved 71 of 74 shots, giving him a 0.959 save percentage and won both of the games that he played in. Now, speaking of the Predators, though, they also just had a game canceled yesterday against the Hurricanes. This was going to be the second meeting of these two teams and they're, they're playing, but was postponed for a future date from what the NHL said was, and I'm going to quote this, out of an abundance of caution to ensure the health and safety of players, coaches, and game day personnel, and in consultation with medical experts. Now, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what to say. I don't know if there was like a scare of someone having it or there was potential someone could or if someone did have it the NHL still hasn't come out and said what that means but I'm sure we'll get some more info about this as of now 
the Hurricanes are set to play the Panthers tomorrow, and the Predators will play the Stars on Friday. Uh, I'm interested to hear why they postponed the game. Uh, I think that this is the kind of a broad answer. Obviously, it's good the NHL is taking precaution. You want to see that. You don't want to see them forcing games, but I think that people uh, would like to hear clarification as exactly why the NHL is doing this so people don't get all like, I don't know, making guesses or theories or like all, all this stuff. But it's good that they took precaution in doing so. Um, I'm going to be keeping up with news about the coronavirus effects on the NHL more and more this season. It's definitely going to be a reoccurring topic this season. But for now, we're going to move on to some other news to kind of stray away from that. Some more positive news about what the NHL is doing with minorities. Uh, So this past Monday, obviously, was Martin Luther King Day, where we celebrate his birthday, which is actually on January 15th, but we celebrate on the Monday in for how he advocated for nonviolent resistance against racial segregation. In in the NHL, we've seen so much praise and celebration recently given to Willie O'Ree, who's 62 years ago, exactly from Monday, on January 18th, 1958, he broke the color barrier, becoming the first ever African-American to play in the NHL, playing with the Boston Bruins. The NHL Coaching Association uh, announced its honoring of O'Ree with the signing of the NHL Declaration of Principles. This declaration's purpose is to create the best experience for anyone a part of the hockey community. Uh, And I quote from the NHL NHL, uh, Coaches Association, it declares in part that all hockey programs should provide a safe, positive, an inclusive environment for players and families, regardless of race, color, religion, national origin, gender, disability, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. Uh, This is meant to aim at supporting Black and Indigenous coaches of color and women in areas like skill development, leadership strategies, communication, networking, and career advancement. As well, Gray Television, who owns and operates 160 local stations covering 90 million U.S. households. Uh, They will be airing the documentary Willie, which is all about Willie O'Ree and his journey to the NHL and how he overcame racial prejudice. And in addition to all of that, on February 18th, uh, before the the game for the Boston Bruins in TD Garden up against the New Jersey Devils, uh, they will be honoring Willie O'Ree by retiring his number 22, which is obviously well-deserved for him. And I just think that this is a great job on the NHL, obviously with everything that's been happening this past year. I think it's a great, this is something they've been working on since 2017. And NHLs feel like they have been practicing some of these principles, but it's officially signed off on and it must feel great for them. And it's obviously amazing thing to have obviously we want everyone to have equal chance and everyone to be able to be a part of the hockey community we want anyone who wants to play hockey to be able to play hockey and just enjoy the sport whether that means just playing recreationally or competitively so moving our way back into some players in the nhl today 
as Columbus Blue Jackets Pierre-Luc Dubois has had more noise with his trade rumor and more trade speculations are coming. Now, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, this offseason, he was a 20, he was a former third overall pick. Uh, the 22-year-old was an RFA with the Columbus Blue Jackets this past offseason. And what that means is the Blue Jackets have the rights to signing him. But if another team wanted to make a deal, the Blue Jackets could match that or take draft picks compensation based on the amount they were going to pay him per year. Uh, it would be like either a second rounder, or like a first and third with, with him, it'd probably be a first and third round pick for him. But that's, that's beside the point. Cause they did actually a couple days before the season agree to a two year, 5 million per uh, my 5 million average dollar per year deal. It'll actually be 325 this season, 3.25, and then next season will be 6.75. So it'll be a bigger contract next year if he gets traded. Now, it's unclear why Dubois wants out of Columbus. We have seen that a lot of times we've had players move on for Columbus it's not a big market like we've seen Panarin moved on and Bobrovsky and Rick Nash and all of these players move on from Columbus now people are speculating Tortorella who has a very interesting style of coaching and he's very hard and he's like to the point he wants this and that and uh maybe not the type of coaching that Dubois likes other people have said that he wants to live closer to his hometown, which is in Montreal, where he lives over the summers. Uh, but Dubois hasn't come out and said what the actual reasoning is why he wants to trade. Uh, so they do have him on two years now. Uh, so if a team wants to trade for him, they know they won't be getting a one and done player as well. At the end of his contract, he will actually still be an RFA, meaning whatever team does have him will still have the rights to him. The Blue Jackets, however, come out and said that they're in no rush to move Dubois because they have Dubois under contract. They said that's part of the NHL. Something big that's been happening in sports is with many sports, the player is basically signs when they get drafted by a team, they basically have a seven-year contract with that team. Normally, their rookie deal is like a three-year and then after that, they become a restricted free agent, meaning that the team that drafted them can sign them. Some players don't like this, thinking they should have more free roam of where they go, but other teams see it as like, we we want that player and we want the rights to that player. We drafted that player, like you signed the contract, we deserve you um, and deserve to choose what we want to do so that's how the blue jackets are viewing it they're viewing it as he's our player we can have him for up to seven years so we're going to choose what we want to do with him and obviously they're they're going to try and fix out the situation because there is some turmoil in there and dubois is your number one center on your number one line he's one of your most talented if not your most talented player on your team um um, it's not often that you see someone like Dubois. He's six foot three, two oh two center. Uh, he's an amazing player, right? And he's only twenty two as well. You got to remember, he's twenty two. He's got plenty of time ahead of him. I just, 
it will definitely take the right trade for him to be moved. He's a low tier one, high tier second line center. Um, but we're going to go ahead and actually take a look at some landing spots for Dubois and what it might take for him to go there. So I went ahead and I picked out five different destinations where you, I could see Dubois going or being traded to. The first one I'm going to talk about is the New York Rangers. Now, the New York Rangers, they have Zabinijad as their top line center right now with Ryan Strom as well. Uh, Dubois would fit in perfectly there. Uh, I think they're very winger heavy up there. Like Lafreniere, Capococco, Panarin, Kreider, all of those guys. So in this deal to the with the Rangers, I definitely think they get back Capococco. Now, Capococco hasn't been amazing. He's only had a season, though, so you can't really judge him that much. But I think they'd rather stick with Lafreniere. And obviously, they're not going to give up Lafreniere. One of, he's still supposed to be. He's only had three games. He's going to be an amazing talent in the NHL. And I think Capococco with Panarin there, I don't think he's going to really grow as well as he could. So I definitely think Capococco goes back. Also seen that Ryan Strom would most likely because he would be getting replaced by Dubois. Now, Capococco and Ryan Strom, I think, will probably be packaged for Dubois. And I'm assuming a second rounder or a third rounder another pick. So I'm going to guess if the Rangers do trade, they'd have to send something like Capococco, Ryan Strom, and a third, a second, third, or fourth, one of those, something like that for Dubois. And I think it would give them a great lineup though. They'd have Zabinijad and Dubois as their one-two punch. That's an amazing one-two punch for them. Now the next team I picked is probably the most likely to trade for him, want him, and fit is Montreal Canadiens. Now, Dubois is from Montreal. He said it's been made out that he might want to be closer to home, so Montreal obviously would make the most sense. The only issue with this this season would be getting him over the border. There might be some restrictions up to getting him over there and stuff like that just because of the coronavirus. But putting that aside, I've seen that Nick Suzuki and Met uh, and Victor Mete was who they wanted last season. I think there was kind of a trade in the rumors. Now, if the Canadians were to make this, they would obviously have to give up Nick Suzuki, who would be the replacement center for Dubois. Dubois is definitely a better player. Suzuki's a year older than him, um, a bit worse. And they would also be giving up Victor Mete in this trade, a good young defenseman, plus probably a 2021 second rounder for Dubois. But I've also seen that many Canadian fans don't want to give up Nick Suzuki. They, they love Nick Suzuki, and I completely agree. I think Nick Suzuki has been playing very well. Um, he's a big part of them beating up the Penguins last season in the qualifiers. Uh, but... So the only other option that the Canadians would have was to trade Kokanyemi, who is their 2018 first round pick. And he hasn't really had time to show himself. And I've seen a lot of people giving up on him. I think he could be really good. Will he be better than Dubois? 
I'm not really sure, but if they don't want to give up Nick Suzuki, which I sh don't think they shouldn't, um, uh, I think I would trade Kokanyemi, and then you would also package in Victor Mete there too. I think Kokanyemi has better trade value than Nick Suzuki just because he's younger. So I don't think they would have to package in that second rounder. So Kokanyemi in Mete for Dubois. If I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, I would probably push for a pick, but I would take that. You get another defenseman to add in. Kokanyemi replaces Dubois. He's going to be a great if not number one center, high tier number two center. I think that's the most likely trade that could happen just because Dubois does want to be in Montreal and he would probably sign a long-term deal with them. Now, the third team I have is the Boston Bruins. This is one I've seen a lot of people saying that the Boston Bruins need to make a move. Uh, they have Krejci and Bergeron as their centers. They don't really have any top prospect coming up in the center core. Bergeron and Krejci aren't getting any younger. Dubois would obviously fit in very well and big body. It's just how Bruins like it. That's their type of hockey. Now for them to get Dubois though, they would have to be giving up Jake DeBrusque and Brandon Carlo and probably their first rounder and maybe like a fourth round pick. Now that is a whole lot that you're giving up for Dubois. Now, do I think Dubois is worth that? Yes. Do I think the Bruins should make that trade? I don't really know. You're giving up quite a lot there. The Bruins don't have a lot of stuff to really offer, and they would be left kind of weak. This would be more of a future move they would be making, but Brandon Carlo is their second best defenseman right now. They need him for penalty killing. If they do this, it's it's really not going to help their team for this year. It's more for the future. Dubois would probably slot in on that second line next to Krejci and Kasha, probably. I I mean, if I'm the when or if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, do I take this? You're getting DeBrusque, who's a solid winger, but he hasn't really proven himself Brandon Carlo is a good defensive defenseman a first rounder I would consider it but it would probably be a no I don't think it's good for either team I could see why the Bruins would want Dubrov but I just think right now they don't have the players to make that trade now this next one is very interesting so the Jets are going to trade with the Ranger or trade with the Blue Jackets. Sorry, I'm getting it confused. Jets and Blue Jackets. It's going to be Patrick Line straight up for Pierre Luc Dubois. Now, both players have said they've wanted out. Patrick Line made it clear he wanted out. Patrick Line, interestingly enough, was the 2017 second overall pick, and Dubois was the third overall pick. So you'd be swapping that. I think Line is clearly the better player. If I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, if someone if they're offering you line eight for Dubois and you say no, I don't know what you're thinking. Now, Winnipeg Jets doesn't make sense for them. I think you might want a winger instead. You already have Shifley and Stastny down the middle. Stastny, who you just acquired. But Dubois, Shifley, and Stastny down the middle. You do lose line eight, but he has said he's wanted out. It could happen, maybe, but that would be an insane trade that would shake the entire NHL. And the final one I'm going for is the Golden Knights. Now, the Golden Knights have 
like I've said, been making so many moves since they've entered the NHL. They've been competitive, something that is very unlikely to see. So why stop now? Why not? There's Dubois. You need a center. They that's they don't have a second line center. Their second line center right now is Cody Glass. William Carlson, great guy. They have a ton of good wingers. I think the Golden Knights have to package in quite a bit. Like they'll have to give up Cody Glass, but that'll be a clear upgrade. No problem about doing that. Peyton Krebs, another one of their prospects they have coming up. Plus New Jersey second rounder, just because it's going to be more valuable than their own, and maybe a like conditional pick or something like that. Now, if I'm the Blue Jackets, this is like a rebuild type move, and I don't know how competitive they want to be. Cody Glass could become a very good player. Peyton Krebs could be good. Who knows what you get with those picks? It, this is more of like a building for the future. Not so sure what you're going to get. But if the Golden Knights get Pierre Luc Dubois, and they have Carlson and Dubois down the middle as their one-two punch, and then you already have Pax Ready. Mark Stone, Alex Tuck, um, Marcia Show, you have Petrangelo, Theodore, and you've got Flurry and Robin Lehner. Watch out. Now, the only thing with this is I think there might be some cap issues that they'll run into here. So they might have to have some cap retained. But if they could work that out, that'd be insane. But out of all of those five, I think the Canadians is most likely. That's where people are assuming Dubrow wants to go. So we'll, we'll make sure to keep a close eye on that and see what happens. Who knows? Maybe he restores his relationship with them and stays in the end. As of right now, Blue Jackets are in no rush to make a trade. Now, I want to hop into what the NHL has been looking like for the past week and discuss some teams that have impressed or underperformed and talk about some interesting games. Now, first of all, the goals this season. They have been insane. 49 games, there have been 290 goals already, meaning just under six goals are being scored per per game. That's 5.91 goals per game. There has been goals on goals on goals, and it's been making hockey so much more fun to watch. Now, this is probably because of the no offseason. We might see this tally go down a bit as we get throughout the season. No, No real like training camps and not really the preseason that we got. So maybe this is more of the preseason games that we're seeing. Uh, but what I'm going to say is probably going to sound kind of obvious, but goaltending is going to be huge this year. Now you're going to say, obviously, goaltending is huge still. And like, that's one of the biggest part of games. It's one of the most important positions. You need a good goaltender. Well, yeah, I, I understand that. But just based on the amount of goals that have been being scored here, it seems that like you either need an insane forward core that can sk- score a hell lot of goals, or you need that elite goaltender that can shut down games and allow like one or two, if not zero goals in the game and make those big saves where they count. Now, this is where we get into one of the team that is struggling, and that is the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the Oilers, I don't want to hear any excuse for any excuse the Oilers fans or anyone trying to defend them I don't want to hear it now let me tell you why the Edmonton Oilers have been gifted a winning team now since 2009 they have had a top 10 pick 10 times 
10 times they've had a top 10 pick since 2009, with four of those being first overall picks. Now, one of them, Nail Yakupov, was a complete bust. Another one, Taylor Hall, you make one of the worst trades in NHL history. You gave up Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Now, I'm not saying Adam Larson's a bad player, but for Taylor Hall, what are you doing? Now, Connor McDavid, Connor McJesus, whatever you want to call him, Lord and Savior, he is insane. He is clearly the best player in the entire world. But yet, you are 1-3 in three right now on the season. And let me tell you why. You need a goaltender. Koskinen is an okay goaltender. He is not going to do it for you. He is not going to win you a Stanley Cup. He might not even make the playoffs for you. They've constantly struggled in this area. You could have aimed for a goalie this offseason. You didn't do it. There were ones available. You picked up Tyson Berry. Good job. You got a puck-moving defenseman. Your defensive core looks nice. Your offense looks amazing. You have the best one-two punch in the league, Mick David and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl having a breakout year last year. Not even a breakout. Well, I guess you could call it a breakout. He's already been amazing. He was the best player in the league last season. Arguably, some people will say McKinnon, but still, top two at least, Dreisaitl last season. Plus, you got the wingers compliment them. We saw Yamamoto have an amazing season last year. You got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's been playing so well. You need the goaltender. If the Oilers are going to do anything, if they're going to be competitive, they have to go out and trade for a goaltender. Now, you might be wondering, oh, what team's going to give up an elite goaltender that's going to help them? I'll tell you who. The Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights traded for Robin Lehner last season. Obviously going to be their future of the of their goalie of the future. They had Marc-Andre Fleury, who's been amazing for them, took them so far. Fleury's been a bit frustrated with the trade for Robin Lehner, obviously cutting into some of his playing time. Edmonton Oilers should make a trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, and they will be competitive instantly. I'm telling you, Fleury is still an amazing goalie. Is he what he used to be? Probably not, but he is still amazing. Now, what it would take for the Oilers to trade for Fleury, they would probably have to give up uh, one of their prospect demon. Like, I'd probably give up Bouchard, and then you're going to have to give up Koskinen just because of cap room, maybe have them retain something. Uh, they might have to, if they do want to give up Mike Smith, who's their backup that they actually just signed, so I'm guessing he wouldn't be traded, but they might ask for the Vegas Golden Knights to take on Chris Russell's contract, who he's got one year, $4 million, something like that. They'll have to make something cap room fit, but they'll probably have to give up Bouchard and a pick in one of their goalies. But you get Marc-Andre Fleury, and I'm telling you, your team would be so much better. You would have the best one-two punch. You would have an amazing top top six. You would have a very solid defensive core, and you would have a future Hall of Famer, a man who's made it and won so many Stanley Cups. He did it with the Penguins. You would get Marc-Andre Fleury. I think that would be perfect for them. Now, next team I'm moving on to, it's a little hard. It's the Boston Bruins, team I root for. They have not scored an even strength goal this season in three games. In three games, they've scored three goals, which ranks last in the NHL. Now, I know that we're only a couple games in, and I know that things can change, but three goals is last in the season for the Bruins. Who would have thought that the Bruins would be last in scoring, 
and would not have scored an even strength goal yet. They had two in the first, they had two power play goals in the first game, and they had a, a shorthanded by Bergeron in the second game, and then didn't score in the third game. Uh, I really, I, they miss Postonok. Postonok won't be back till mid February. They're gonna struggle till then. I think they're really gonna be relying on Tuka Rask and Halak Rask. Doesn't always show up in the playoffs, isn't always the best, but he he is always a good regular season goaltender. So I think he's really going to be the key factor in holding them, obviously, with a, a defensive core that's a bit depleted. But that I did I did see a little funny thing that was about Bruins being screwed over by the NHL. Now, the NHL did have put microchips into pucks, trying to track all this stuff. And they did say that they pulled the plug on them temporarily. And there was conspiracy theories that the NHL had it against the Bruins because everyone hates the Bruins and that they had someone remotely controlling the puck to make sure, like we saw that crazy goal uh, that was scored against the, against them with the devils where it bounced all around. And we saw that the like half volley shot that they hit, um, with the Islanders that lost them that game late in the game. But this this is obviously not true. They they pulled it because some of the pucks weren't performing as they wanted them to. They didn't go through the right finishing stage. They will get back and do the tracking pucks again so they can see like puck speed and where it's going and that type of stuff. But the Bruins are really going to miss Pasternak right now. When he comes back, he'll bring back a lot of scoring for them help them out a lot but as of right now I think it's going to be down to Tuka Rask to try and help them out and I think Marshan and Bergeron and Krejci have to step up their game and try and get some goals and get some things going I think getting some scoring from their third line will help a lot the third line normally consists of Coyle, Richie, and Bjork I think them getting going will help the first two lines but yeah, they just have to figure out. They very much underperformed. Now, the Canadians have impressed me. And I would like to say that I was counting them. I went from counting them out to being like, okay, they might actually be good to now, like, watch out. From what I've seen, uh, you don't want to mess with the Canadians. Josh Anderson has fit in very well with them. I think he fits them very well. He's a big body guy. He scored a couple of goals. He's looked well. He's looked fast out there. Jeff Petrie on defense for them. He has five points this season already. He's looking very good. And Nick Suzuki, which I mentioned earlier, he's been playing very well. Nick Suzuki, I think he's got three points so far this season on three assists. And Carey Price, of course. Carey Price is an amazing goaltender. He's saved 63 of 69 shots so far watch out because I think the Canadians could sneak in. And I'm telling you, if the Oilers do not get that goaltender, the Canadians will beat them out and take their spot away from them. Now, I want to talk about one game that we saw when we saw the Avalanche absolutely embarrass the St. Louis Blues. The Avalanche scored eight goals and beat the Blues eight to nothing. Now, the Avalanche, obviously scary, scary, scary team. They have an insane offensive core. They score goals on goals on goals. Their defense scores goals. They've got Kale McCarr. He he's put up what I think. I think he's put up five, and he put up three in that game. Uh, they've got Devon Thames, who they traded for and acquired in the offseason. And he's looked good for them. 
Uh, Grubauer's looks solid. I mean, Grubauer is always solid. He's not an amazing goaltender, but when they have that offense and they have Nathan McKinnon, who just flies, like you, you really have to look at it. It's him and his own cat. It's him and McDavid. There's no one else like McKinnon and McDavid. Both of them are fast, but they're fast with the puck. When they have the puck, they can just bob and weave through everyone. Um, they just have some sort of speed to them. Now, people have been kind of criticizing Tori Krug, saying he has been underperforming. He does only have one assist so far in three games. It's on the power play. But I think the problem people are having is, like I mentioned earlier when I mentioned this Krug signing, he's not going to be a replacement for Petriangelo. He's not that big guy. He's not going to be as good defensively. He's going to give you offense, and that's what he's mainly there for. So I think people have to lay off him and stop giving him such big expectations, expecting him to fill Petriangelo's shoes because he's not going to do that. Now, another game that was very interesting was the Wild against the Kings. The Wild have looked very good to me this season. They've had a lot of energy. I think they've surprised some people. They beat the Kings 4-3 to and came back 3-1, to came back from a 3-1 deficit. And Kapriel Kaprasov, one of the rookies I told you guys to look out for, he had three points and had the overtime winner in that game. That was such amazing. It must have been an amazing feeling for Kaprasov. And speaking and talking about rookies, Kaprasov has looked like the best rookie so far this season. Now, he was probably ranked as my second guy to look out for in my predictions. I predicted Lafreniere. I'm still going to stick with Lafreniere. Uh, but Kaprasov has looked very good. He has one goal and three assists so far. He had an assist to another overtime winner, and he had the overtime winning goal, and he has provided so much energy to this team. I think the Wild are in going to be a, quite a good team and a team that could nudge some points off some teams and bump them down a bit. Uh, Kaprizov has looked amazing. I like him. I think he's going to fit in well with the Wild, and he could very well win uh, the Calder this year. So I would look out for him. Lafreniere has looked a bit disappointing, uh, hasn't put up a point yet. He's with Panarin and Strom, so there's really no excuse. I mean, give him some time. Jack Hughes struggled. Now, I think he's going to be better than Jack Hughes. We'll, we'll see when Lafreniere gets his first uh, assist or whatever he gets, but I think just just hold on. I think Lafreniere, you got to give him some time. Now, Ty Smith of the New Jersey Devils. He's one of their defensemen. Uh, he's also a rookie who I wasn't quite sure of who he was. He has a goal and two assists so far and has looked quite well with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I didn't I didn't know of him, but from what I've seen, he's a great offensive defenseman. He does well, very well uh, quarterbacking the power play. And I think he could be an underrated candidate that might go under the radar for some people, but I would look out for Ty Smith. So if you're watching the Devils, make sure you look at Ty Smith and see how he plays on mainly on the offensive and see how he makes some passes. He looked really good out there. Now, the next person I'm going to talk about was the third overall pick, which was, uh, or is, sorry, was Tim Stutzel, who picked up an injury, uh, but... He did have his first goal already, and it was a pretty nice goal if you want to go check it out. Puck kind of deflects up in the air, comes down. Once it hits the ground, 
he slaps it and hits it in the top shelf. And it was an amazing goal. It must have been an amazing feeling. What a way to score your first goal for Tim Stutzel. Now, last night, we did see Lafreniere play up against the Devils. We saw the two former first overall picks play each other, Jack Hughes of last year, Lafreniere of this year. And Lafreniere didn't do a lot. Obviously, one of the games included. But Jack Hughes, he had two goals and an assist and the 4-3 win for the Devils. And he looked very good out there. He looked energized. And I, I think Jack Hughes is ready. He had a little bit of a disappointing season last year, but he got his he got some time. He played some games. Now watch as he bursts out for his sophomore season. So Jack Hughes looks exciting. And this New Jersey Devils team, I don't know where it's going to take them. I don't know where they'll go, but they're not, they're not looking to just – go ahead and play the season, miss the playoffs. They're they're playing with intention to move on. And Mackenzie Blackwood, who was originally going to split time with Crawford, now Crawford retired. Blackwood has looked very nice as a goaltender and I think will definitely be a great goalie for the Devils in the future. Now, just to sum it up, we're going to go through some of the league leaders this season. So, so far, we have... Kaprizov leading rookies with four points, followed by Josh Norris and Ty Smith, who have three three points. Now for points total in the league, we have a couple players on six points so far this season. Obviously, right now, there's going to be a lot of players close together, but as the season progresses, we'll see more and more. We've got Jack Hughes with all these players have six tied for the league in points. Jack Hughes, Travis Konechny, Mitchell Marner, Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, John Tavares, and Tomas Hurdle. And then for goals so far, we have Bobby Ryan and Travis Konechny with four. For assists, we have Eichel with six, and then Hall and Dreisaitl going right behind him with five each. And as of right now, Semyon Varlamov of the New York Islanders does lead in basically every category for goaltenders. He has an 1,000 save percentage because he hasn't allowed a goal and has two shutouts, but he has only played two games. So I'm sure that'll change. But I mean, if Varlamov has a good season, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Islanders have a great defense and Varlamov is a great goalie. Now to finish it all off, I want to get into my three stars of the first week of the NHL season. Before I get that, I want to give a couple honorable mentions. Uh, One's to Jack Hughes. He has two goals and four assists already this season. I talked about him already. Great player. He's been really good. And Bobby Ryan of who signed with the Detroit Red Wings this offseason. Obviously, if you don't know about Bobby Ryan's story, go ahead, look it up. It's an amazing story. Uh, he won the Masters in Masters 10 uh, Memorial last season, which is for the best comeback player. He has four goals already with the Detroit Red Wings, so very happy for him. Good for Bobby Ryan. Now my three starts. And number three, I'm going with Kapriel Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild. The rookie, he's had a goal and three assists. The Wild are two and one right now. They look like they got a lot of energy going to them. And I think watch out for Kaprizov. I think he's going to bring a lot to this team. He's got two overtime points already. He got the overtime goal in the first game and the assist, the primary assist, may I mention, in the second overtime win for the Minnesota Wild. Now, number two, I'm going with someone who you might not think about as being as being a goal scorer maybe but tom wilson 
Tom Wilson's an amazing player. So he's my second star, plays for the Washington Capitals. So far this season, the Capitals, Capitals are 2-0-2, and, and Wilson's got three goals and two assists. And one of his assists I saw is like a spinorama. I forget who it was, but it was a beautiful feed. I think it was Kuznetsov into Kuznetsov in on goal. Wilson's a do-it-all type guy. He can score goals. He can provide the pass. He can lay the body. He can fight someone. Tom Wilson's like basically like uh, if Taysom Hill played hockey, that's what Tom Wilson is. He's an amazing player. Any team would love to have a Tom Wilson on their team. He's going to be my number two star. And number one, someone who I kind of mentioned in the league leaders, but I haven't talked about is Travis Konechny. Now, the Flyers are one of my top picks that I love this season. I love how the Flyers are built. I think they're an amazing team. Travis Konechny has four goals and two assists and has been on absolute fire this season. I've been loving watching how he's been playing. He's, he's definitely been my number one player so far this season. Can he keep it up? I'm not sure. But if he does, what a season is he going to have? I love Travis Konechny, young player. Great player on the Flyers. Watch out for him this season. If he continues his play, I love Travis Connecting and how he's been doing. So that is going to do it for this episode. So much going on in the NHL right now. And what a week has it been. We will be keeping a close eye on how COVID affects the league. More about where Dubois could be landing and seeing how this league shakes up when we return next week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify and I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.